All things automotive with the petrol head, Niku Smith. Oh, on the couch with a cup of coffee, hey? Petrol head, can you hear me? Nico, on the couch with a yeah. cup of coffee, can you hear me? <laughs> Good morning, how are you doing? You know, I just have to say this, is that sometimes I have to cheer on our engineers and that because the studios here are unfortunately completely chaotic and I'm going to say that I'm probably going to be fired for saying that but it makes it really really difficult for everybody participating to try and really get on top of things in a way that is appropriate so my question is are you on the couch with a cup of coffee no I am actually in Clarkies in Clarksdorf um, um, and I haven't had the coffee yet so um. you haven't had your coffee yet can you believe it can you believe it? It's what a crazy, it's a cra- craziness everywhere, Michelle. Craziness everywhere. Jeez, so what are you going to do? How are you going to, when is that coffee going to happen? Are you waiting for the power to come back on again? What's the No, time? no, no. I'm, I'm going to have a coffee after this. So um, I've got some plunger. I'm going to make some plunger coffee after this. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, no, that's so, wonderful. So, so coffee is on the way soon. Not yet. So that, that, you're right. It's just craziness everywhere this morning. So, Nico, I just want to ask you quickly, I know you're going to go into the new Amarok uh, Volkswagen mm-hmm. and talk to us about it, but I wonder if you saw that thing that I sent you the other day. Apparently, mm-hmm. they did. They took a BMW. Um, and An iX. The, what was it? The iX, which is the electric car. The iX electric car. And they did a, co- a cross-country trip on it, and it seems to have gone very, very well. <coughs> yes, Michelle. Um, <coughs> oh, excuse me. So, that, um, of course, these, uh, I hear that a lot, um, that people are, are saying the infrastructure in South Africa isn't good enough and it's not possible, or where would you go? But there's currently about 441, let's say about 440 charging points throughout South Africa, um, including all the major routes. So, in other words, if you're going from Gauteng down to Durban, if you're going from Gauteng to Cape Town, or if you're going along the Garden Route, uh, along all those routes, there are charging stations with charging points. So um, it's actually quite possible. It's actually been done uh, uh, a few years ago. It was already uh, people were doing this. But the big thing with this a type of trip like this is effectively how long will it take? Mm. Um, because when you take a normal car, uh, if you feel like goes on or you plan a little bit, in every town there's 5, 10, or 40 filling stations. So there's no issue. So with electric cars, the big thing here is your planning because – if you're taking a trip, uh, let's say, I think they started in Cape Town first all the way to Gauteng, yeah. you want to look at where can you charge and how quick can you charge. So a trip like this, you'd have to pl- plan it um, around the charges that can give you the quickest charge. Um, and those are what we call DC charges or direct current charges. So they charge directly into the battery. Uh, currently, the most powerful ones are uh, 150 kilowatt, which is actually quite quick. So the idea is that even in, in, in actually, if you take any, any electric car currently with navigation, if you plan a trip, it actually tells you stop there and charge and stop there and charge and stop there and charge. So that's exactly the idea um, that it's possible. I think that it is in 20 hours, something like that, Michelle. If they, I, if let I, if me, I'm just finding uh, the, the article that I sent you. They did <coughs> it in, they said in, what was it, in 14 and a half what was it? I think that's, no, that's they the did driving it in, time. Yeah, they did it yeah. in 20 hours and 17 minutes. And it took them, the driving time was 14 hours and 56 
minutes, but um, obviously the, the rest of the time was, was, from my understanding, used to charge. So they did nearly one and a half thousand kilometers. The only thing, of course, about it was the speed. The speed was not exactly like... Well, I, I, no, you know what it is. And that's a, so it looks, if you look at the average speed, you say, hey, that's 94 kilometers an hour, which doesn't seem fast. But if you drive at 120, that's probably what you'll get. Because think about this now. If you're driving at 120 as an average speed, as soon as you go through certain towns, you might have to drive at 80. And when you go through um, Colesburg, uh, what are the towns where you're driving slowly? I'm trying to think which. Um, some of the towns, you drive, as you're driving through the town, you're going to have to slow down. Yeah. So actually, a 94 kilometer an hour average speed is actually not bad because it has to take an account where you are driving slowly in town. And that brings a... Uh, if you, I think they probably look, looked at probably about 120 k's an hour on the, let's say, on the speed control or whatever cruise control they had. Yeah. Um, so 90, it's actually not bad going at all. Um, so, but as you can see, the big thing is still the charging times, and that's still what, what the two things that are, of course, it's great. Two things we must consider is the infrastructure is good, but if there's another car standing at that charging station, you might, or two cars, you might have to wait a little oh, bit. <laughs> so I think it's excellent for electric cars. It yeah. shows that um, because it's more out there, um, it shows that it can be done. It definitely can be done. But in my mind, electric cars... It's still a trip that you can take if you're not in a, ru- a rush. I'd probably say it's a nice two-day trip with your family. But if you are wanting to do this in one day and there's lots of electric cars, um, it's still something that's, let's call it a work in progress. But I think it's excellent for electric cars. In my mind, still, electric cars are more city cars because <clears throat> they work the best in city. Um, you know, but it's something, as I said, that I'm very excited about because it's getting better and better and the infrastructure is getting bigger and bigger. So it's more possible to do that. Okay, we have to go to a break, but I do think what's interesting about what you're saying is two years ago, we wouldn't have even been discussing an electric car going from Cape Town to Joburg. Now we are actually discussing it. So once we start to look at that, the scenarios start to change dramatically. Now we do have um, someone who's very critical of the Amarok, uh, Tabang. So I'm going to hold on to his comment. And oh. you're going to talk to us uh, about it, and then we're going to come back from the break, talk to about us about the Amarok after the break, and then uh, I'll tell you what Tabang is suggesting. All Things Automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Yep, we're talking to the petrol head, Nico. He hasn't had his coffee, so if he gets a little grumpy, we'll know why that is the case. But he's not grumpy yet. Nico, the new VW Amarok, what do you think? You know, I'm so I'm actually more interested now to hear what the comment was, if I'm honest. Okay. Uh, sorry. So Tabang says this. Um, Tabang says, um, high constant. The new Amarok. The new Amarok doesn't inspire me. Finish and clear. Maybe it's the scandal that I read in the newspaper about its braking system defects, and that is Tabang Matabane. So sure. braking system defects. Do they have them? What is the issue? Oh, I don't know about um, braking system defects, to be honest. Um, uh, uh, so let's first clarify. So, uh, and I'm not sure if Tabang is talking about the current Amarok, um, because the new one is just being launched internationally, which means it's not available on sale yet. Volkswagen has had a, a big um, reveal to say this is the, um, um, the 2023 Amarok. Mm. Um, it'll probably, I'm not sure, it'll probably make our source towards the end of the year, although it's actually built in South Africa. So that's the, the new one, um, that's, and, and that's what we're really talking about. It was revealed on, I think, Friday. 
um, internationally. So um, the Amarok, you know, yeah. So let's talk about the, the, the current or the new one, rather. I don't know if you've got some pictures that you can see or have a look, Michelle. No, you got, yes, I, I do, actually. You, you talk us through, but I do have the pictures in front of uh, us. Okay, so first I can't of all, really uh, tell the difference. Okay, have you got the one that is, that is it's like blue styling, so it's a very bright blue colour. Let's just make sure that we're looking at the same picture. Yes, I'm looking at that. Yes, so, um, of course, it's brand new. It's a brand new vehicle, so the styling-wise, um, I think it's, it's sharp lines, uh, um, very thin headlights with daytime running lights at the front and over oh, the top and the bottom of the light, I think actually looks really nice. Um, and then a silver grille that almost has a, a, a is it a Y? What did you say the, the design is a Y design? I think so quite good looking from the front with a nice big grille on the side, big flared wheel arches which look quite aggressive, thin, um, nice design, taillights at the back um, and Amarok written nicely into the, the rear, um, what should we call it, that, that bucky cover at the back. So from the outside, I think it's quite a good-looking bucky. I don't know what your thoughts are from the outside of the Amarok. Yeah, it looks it looks okay. It looks like a bucky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know you. sometimes you want to hear me say more, but like sometimes I'm just like, I don't know what I meant okay. to say here because it's just no, a, it's like, well, a big it bucky. Like bucky. It's a very it big, like a bucky. big bucky. It is much bigger than the so the, the, the dimensions have grown quite a lot from the previous have grown from the previous one on the inside as well, Michelle. Yeah. Um, it has a, um, a, a very horizontal design and then a vertical, it's like a T almost. So the the design um, running across with um, big air vents and then the center display, which is um, placed in a um, portrait mode. You know, so in other words, if you take your phone and like you're watching your phone portrait, in other words, in a long mode. There's quite a big display with nice-looking buttons at the bottom. Uh, of course, the digital instrumentation. So, on the inside, again, I think it's good-looking. I haven't seen it or driven it. I'm just looking currently at the picture, so that's what we're talking about. But um, I think it's a good-looking bucky, and it's been doing really well in South Africa. And, and surprisingly, the, the one that sells the best is the V6 Amarok, which is around about a million rand. So, Amarok is extremely popular in South Africa, and this new one is really good-looking. So... Um, I'm excited to actually see the car in the metal and drive it because um, yeah, it looks really good. So, Nico, um, you say that you're excited to see the new one. If you look at the ones that you know and that are already here, the, how, yes. how, are we, how different are they? How are they going to compare? How do you think it's going to compare to the others? Uh, well, and by, the, others the, by others, I mean the other Amaroks. How different is it going to be? Oh, it's completely different. Um, so it's built on a, on a completely different platform. So it's a brand new Bucky. Um, if you if you just look at the, the, the you know if you go and look at images of the two vehicles, you can see a major difference because the Amarok has also been around for quite a while. Um, normally, the life cycle is about eight years of, of a vehicle, and it's actually had a, a, a been around a little bit longer than that. So, um, of course, then compared to cars like the new Hilux. Um, you know, it, it's a much newer vehicle. That's always a benefit. You know how popular Hilux is. And, of course, this is the interesting thing here, Michelle, is, of course, that competition with Ford because they're based on the same platform. So if you look at the new Ranger and the Amarok, there's a, uh, uh, there's a lot of similarities there. They're based on the same platform, although the vehicles do actually look different. And I think the best test would be to drive them and see because a lot of people's comments, I think, would be, hang on, but these two vehicles are very close together because of the same platform. But I think the manufacturers have, have worked hard on, on the character of the cars looking different. And I think when you drive them as well, they should feel very different. So, um, as I said, you know, I'm, I don't drive a bucky, but I used to do lots of off-roading and 4 by 4 with these vehicles. And I think in South Africa, the Amarok will do very well. Engines 
from two liters again up to a V6 diesel. Um, so um, I think, you know, the popularity will continue in South Africa because, and it's nice because there's a, a, a wide choice of buses. So a lot of South Africans go that route. And I think it's great when you have a, a wide selection of vehicles to choose from. So um, here's the thing. Uh, is it going to be diesel or is it going to be petrol? And actually either or at this point in time is going to be hugely costly to fill this thing up, I'm sure. That's it. I mean, a bigger tank is going to take more fuel. Um, uh, the engines are two-liter diesels and, and of course, uh, three-liter diesel. Um, and I'm not sure exactly. I mean, uh, Volkswagen hasn't yet said exactly what is the engines coming to South Africa. Um, but buckets tend to, the, the diesel engines are the popular ones hands down. The petrol engines just don't seem to be that popular. And, of course, the benefit of the diesel buckets, of course, is, is very good fuel consumption considering the size. Um, and, of course, that low-down talk. A lot of people fill a bucket with, with, um, you know, with the family and everything that can go with it. A lot of people are towing with, with the buckies. And then the diesels, with all the talk they have, actually uh, are great vehicles. So, um, hands down, it's going to be the diesel. Um, and, and, and the two-liter diesel, it's interesting because, you know, the Volkswagen makes in the current one a two-liter diesel, which is actually really good, and a three-liter diesel. And hands down, the three-liter diesel is the best seller. So, it does show there's a market for those big buckies. A lot of people, as you know, go camping and tow their caravans with, with it, but they can also go off-roading with it. And it comes in two-wheel drive uh, versions. Then there's a selectable four-wheel drive and then a permanent four-wheel drive. So lots of options as well. If you look at some of the information, a lot of new assist systems will be available. So not only will it be good off-road, um, but it'll have new systems like um, matrix lights um, or Volkswagen calls it IQ lights, uh, adaptive cruise control and lane-keeping assist. Um, and secondary collision breakers. It's a lot of other features that also will make it safe in the city as well. So, Neko, obviously when we talk about uh, issues of petrol costs, uh, you know, I mean, I think South Africans are struggling every which way, but at least so to speak. Um, and then, like, we've had this brilliant question from one of our listeners, and it is just, I mean, it's a question that I have to say, turning everything on its head, <laughs> yeah. saying... Can you charge your cell and your shack from an electric car? Um, it, not, not, not electric cars that are available in South Africa currently. So if you look at a vehicle that will be quite nice to do that is the Ford F-150 Lightning. Um, in other words, if you, take the F, the, if you take the Ford Ranger, there's a bigger version called the, uh, the F-150 and F-250 and F-350. And the F-150, there's an electric version called the F-150 Lightning. Um, and that is actually designed to go where you can charge or get energy into the, the electric car, uh, into this bucky. But it can go, so if you have power uh, outputs or problems at home, you can actually physically turn the power around. In other words, you have a big battery, so you now take that big battery and put the energy into your house. So it's actually possible with this vehicle, but most uh, with the F-150 Lightning. But with most electric cars, the manufacturers um, just take the energy and charge the car because, unfortunately, they don't internationally have the same issues we have of load shedding. So for them, it, it isn't as much of an issue as with us. So, um, of course, you know, you, let's say you want to charge. Let's say I have an electric car and I want to charge, put energy into the, set, into the shack where, where you're living. Those cars are expensive. And once the car is flat, where are you going to put energy back into the car again? That's also something to consider. So effectively, uh. no, it's not, it, it's not possible. Um, you know, even if, if you want to consider an electric car, if you don't have a garage where you can charge it or a charging station, it's also not practical because you can't just fill it up and let it stand on the street. 
So um, most households, oh, no, I don't want to say, you know, let's say most households that can afford electric cars normally have a garage. But there are a lot of people like, let's say, somebody that lives in Camps Bay that might have a house but doesn't have a garage. They also need to consider it. So, yeah, there's, there's a few things to consider. And again, Michelle, the, the big issue is electric cars are still not for the masses. They're not affordable cars. They're not cars that you can pay 400000 or 500000 And even those are expensive cars. So electric yeah, cars are currently yeah. still higher. They're still expensive cars, but we're still at the start of this process. Yeah, um, if you look at, you know, even if you just go to Europe um, and you drive there, the amount of electric cars, are, there's, a, there's lots and lots more than South Africa. So we're still battling. And I think people with electric cars are now really finding, you know, previously I would say, ESCOM doesn't matter with electric cars because load shedding isn't an issue. Uh, and probably still is, isn't, but now the fact that you're having uh, load shedding three times a day actually becomes a bit of a frustrating thing for electric car owners. Yeah. But I think this too shall pass. So I'm positive that ESCOM will sort this out and, and you know, hopefully this won't be a thing that will continue forever. But it, it is now something where the load shedding is happening a lot. It might start frustrating electric car owners a little bit. But even then, you know, you can still do at least 300 k's with your electric car. So you don't necessarily have to charge every day. You definitely are a coffee cup half full, hey, Nico? <laughs> okay, we've got a couple. <laughs> I've got a couple of a couple of questions coming through. Okay, yeah, they are. <laughs> Morning, Constant. I never knew you had a new name. Uh, very interesting about the VW Amarok. Two questions for Nico. One, uh, the majority of farmers that I've spoken to have indicated that the Amarok can carry a one-ton load very easily. It's fuel efficient and it's got tremendous torque. Um, they have nothing but respect for the Bucky as opposed to the traditional Hilux and uh, Asuzu and other drivers. Secondly, a, a friend of mine has got one and complained bitterly that with the um, European technology, uh, VW wanted to put some uh, electrode into the car to control the emissions because there's a warning light that keeps on coming on and that um, would have cost him about 15 or 17,000 Rand, which seems terribly excessive. And then they wanted to put something else in, which cost 2,500 Rand to reduce the emissions. Um, and I'd like to hear what Nico's comment is on it. John from Bloemfontein. So there's John from Bloemfontein. What's your comment on that? Okay, so I've drove both the diesels, the two-liter diesel. Um, um, actually, my brother-in-law for a long time had a two-liter diesel Amarok. Um, and I've also driven the V6. And they are fabulous. They really are powerful and fast. Um, I remember when Volkswagen launched the Amarok, it was a two-liter. And all the other buckies were three liters. And everybody was going, you know, why are you launching a two-liter bucky? This thing is not going to be successful. And a lot of other manufacturers are going towards two liters. So I would agree it, it, it's... A lot of torque, it's got great fuel consumption, it really is an excellent bucky. And it's, out of all the buckies, it's the one that rides, in my mind, the most comfortable. It's the one that rides the most like a car. Now, talking about this diesel thing, I think he said his friend is a farmer. Um, you've got to realize that um, with um, diesel buckies, uh, um, well, let's start with diesel cars. They need, diesel cars need a very clean diesel. Um, because um, we're talking about that parts per million. So it's like a 10 ppm at Sassel. Other filling stations have 50 ppm. You get 500 ppm. So what happens is that the, the buckies themselves and cars, 
rely on um, what we call um, direct injection with common rail technology. In other words, they, they, they pressurize the fuel up to 200, 2,000 bar, even a little bit more, and then they spray that high-pressure diesel through very small holes of, in the injectors. Now, if you have on a, live on a farm and you put farm diesel in your bucky, now what's happening is you've got very dirty diesel that you're squeezing at high pressure through these small holes. And that can be problems. That can clog up uh, the holes. That can actually, um, and that's possibly what the issue is with this Amarok. And I don't know because I don't have more details. But what you should know is that if you have a diesel vehicle, you want the clean stuff in there. You want to look for the 10 ppm or the 50 ppm. Even the 500 ppm isn't ideal because it isn't clean. And if you're driving any bucky, like, let's say, like a, a, an Amarok on a farm, and you're putting farm diesel in there, you are really asking for trouble because that stuff is dirty. It's great for your tractor. Um, it's great for your Land Cruiser, that um, 1970s or 1980s Land Cruiser, but it's not great for your direct injection diesel engines. And possibly that is the issue, I think. I, I don't know more details, but that's what I think could be the thing. Okay, so then someone says a quick question before the end of the show. Uh, should I continue servicing my car with the manufacturer after the warranty expires? I decided against an extended warranty because of the past part replacements that I have to do that was prompted by wear and tear. So what's your take on that? Yo, that's your personal decision. Um, I, I, I'm continuing to serve my car at the manufacturer as an example, um, but a lot of other people um, prefer not to go to the manufacturer. Um, I think that the big thing is that the, ben- the benefit for me at a manufacturer is the recourse. If there's an issue, I can go back. If there's problems, I can go back. And I know that I have uh, the manufacturer's backing. So if the dealership has, is a problem, I go over their heads and I go to the manufacturer. If you find somebody that has a good, um, 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 what's the word, image, what's the right word? They're reputable. A lot of people service there and they give good service and give good work. Then by all means, you should go there as well. So it's always about where can you find somebody that is reliable and services your car because there's a lot of people out there that do excellent service, but unfortunately there are also some people that do dodgy business. And if you get stuck with somebody that do, does dodgy business, you would have been better off at the manufacturer. If you do get somebody that does really good business, then that's a good place to go to. Um, so that's, I think, a personal decision, Michelle. It's a difficult one for me to say. You've also got to wear, wear up the cost at a manufacturer or at somebody that um, services, um, you know, um, and also is another thing as well, do they have the technology to work on newer cars? Because if you have newer cars, um, there's a lot more electronic things in there. There's, um, um, uh, you've got to plug them into electronic machines to find the faults, to diagnose the faults and to fix things. So, uh, again, um, uh, there's a lot of companies that can do that that aren't the manufacturers. So I think it's a personal decision that you have to make. So a quick question for you. Here goes. Good morning, Michelle, Nico, and the entire team. Nico, between electric car and then a petrol car, which one would you advise us to use, let's say, from work to home? And then which one does it cost less uh, in maintaining? Factor in the low shedding we're experiencing and also the high level of uh, petrol increase is Bramoro in Bloemfontein. <laughs> so it's a good question because basically um, let's, let's, assume, let's assume that we can all afford an electric car. Okay, so the cost of the car right now is a problem. But if we could afford an electric car, given all the things that Brown Morrow is suggesting, what would you say? I, I, I still like electric cars, but I, I so in other words, if you live in a place where you're just going to drive in town, electric cars are great. If you are driving, if you're living in Bloom and you're visiting family in the Sutu all the time, it's not the car for you. 
So um, they still they um, in, in in town they grow, um, but if you're going on a holiday, if you're a rep that drives lots of long distance, you might have to consider or look at it. Over the news. Good morning.